Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, and this is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. It's probably sounding a little bit different to you today, the, uh, the sound quality. Uh, that's because we're on the road today and we're at the MAX, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian. It's just opened. Uh, right off uh, Highway 20 in downtown Meridian. And today we're going to be talking with Mark Tullis, who's the executive director here at Max. Mark, thanks for having us. Larry, thanks for coming to Meridian. Well, let's just, before we get into it, we are in your recording studio inside the Max. So that's really exciting. Not only do I come over here to do an interview, but you've got a studio for me to use. Right, and, and you're welcome to use it anytime. Uh, we love our partners at uh, Mississippi Public Radio and the Arts Council and the Arts Commission. So... Uh, this is yours and a tool for you. Uh, we're in the throes of trying to build this studio. It's uh, We're still adding soundproofing and, and getting equipment installed, but eventually this is going to be a real asset for the state. When we started this project, the governor uh, in our negotiations to try and get funding and all, he said, you know, I just really wish I would add a recording studio. So you got it. So that's why it's called the governor's recording. Studio. Oh, okay. Okay. I wondered about that. All right. So we're in the max. This You've been open now for a, about two months. I uh-huh. think. So um, for folks who haven't heard about this, the experience here in Meridian, tell, just give us kind of the overview of, of what y'all are doing here and what it's about. Well, I've been in this profession for 35 years and have been through the design and construction of this is the fifth museum. And I've never seen anything like this. When people come to visit, I think they're going to find uh, real uh, amazing uh, architecture and a great exhibit experience because everything here is designed around this concept of making it inviting and exciting and interesting and uh, meaningful, too. We see people come out of our gallery sometimes with tears in their eyes because they've just been moved from the story that we tell. So uh, this museum was built and designed. It was a statewide concept. Its landing in Meridian was done uh, with a great amount of foresight on the part of the state government and local leadership here in Meridian. We knew that the 14 million people that travel up and down I-20 is a real opportunity for Mississippians and travelers from the southeast uh, to stop here and learn more about our artists and writers and poets and musicians. So uh, being a half mile from the interstate is going to be a tremendous bonus for uh, cultural tourism in Meridian. It seems like a very appropriate um, uh, facility for where you're at because you're in, a, you're one, in one of the entrances to the state coming from Alabama. But uh, unlike a lot of our museums in the state that are very focused on a specific artist, like the Walter Anderson, where you worked previously, B.B. Right. King Museum, this one has a wide breadth and kind of offers an introduction to kind of the, the wide spectrum of the arts. Yeah, and, you know, we took a brief walk through the exhibits, and near the end of the exhibition, we have a, a cultural trails uh, gallery where you can explore different uh, food ways and food trails and gallery and theater trails, music trails throughout Mississippi. So that's another aspect of this institution that was built around not only telling the Mississippi story 
from our, our great artists and entertainers, but to send visitors on ventures throughout Mississippi to learn more and to experience more, uh, to go to Miss Letha's restaurant or to go to uh, Macomb and go to the uh, Dinner Bell. You know, we, we, we're advertising these great iconic locations to dine throughout Mississippi and great places to be entertained. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a great introduction to maybe somebody who's never been to Mississippi, but also natives who maybe kind of stick to their region and they maybe don't know much about the North Hills or the Delta, and they get to have this very kind of, um, you go into these galleries and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, you're kind of enveloped by yeah. the technology. Yeah, we, we call it immersive. We, That's uh, it, yeah. It's kind of an interesting sort of parallel with the the design motif that's throughout the whole museum when you pull up to the front door there's a river motif in the sidewalk and there's wooden planks it looks like wooden planks the cement is shaped uh, is patterned after that it's a really beautiful decorative arts technique that they used and that river flows uh, past the water wall outside the museum into the rotunda and that you see in the terrazzo the river continues through the rotunda and to the elevators and then upstairs and around the Hall of Fame. And that river, uh, the immersive water experience continues through the entire museum all the way to the end where you, you're greeted by another river at the very end of the exhibition. So uh, this immersive technology in each of the galleries is really a way to get lost as a visitor in a meaningful um, experience both with artifacts and with stories because if you sit uh, on a on a peach crate or a, a apple crate in front of the, the, the clothesline sheet projection uh, exhibit where we're, we have different uh, artists telling their stories about their connection to Mississippi and the earth. It's a real meaningful time. You get, and it's very contemplative. I'm, I'm really surprised how many people come back over and over again from around the region, but mainly from Meridian because a lot of our members live here. But they come here just to get away, and many of them have told me that uh, you know it's just a great place to to sort of lose yourself. So it's it's really a different type of museum. You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're in Meridian at the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, the Max, in downtown Meridian. We're talking with Mark Tullis. He's the executive director here. Now. Uh, the one thing I think people need to know about, this is a newly constructed building and it's a significant building here. And you come over the, you come in the main entrance, the main uh, 22nd Avenue, I think, mm-hmm. into downtown Meridian. It sits right at the foot of the of the bridge there. Uh, once you come into the downtown side, right. talk a little bit about the building and it's kind of where it sits in the in city. Well, this is a, uh, a wonderful 54,000 square foot heated and cooled facility with surrounding properties there's a courtyard with a performance amphitheater in back and there's some great uh, areas surrounding the museum uh it's it's seated right on what i call our river which is the railroad tracks you know we've got all the these meridian railroad, river meridian, yeah meridian railroad that's yeah. our river that's our commerce what built uh, what built, built meridian, meridian yeah. that's right so uh you get to see that if you go up to the second floor terrace, you get to see all of downtown Meridian, the three-foot building, which is currently under renovation to become a Marriott. It's just a lot of pieces moving. Uh, and this building itself was designed to be a contemporary sort of cutting-edge statement, but at the same time reflect 
the downtown. And so the brick that you see on the outside is recycled brick from this area. And uh, a lot of the awnings we call porches reflect a lot of the architecture that you see down here. So I think that we're going to see a lot of attention paid to this beautiful work of architecture. And uh, I think you may have experienced it, but whenever you come into this building, you, you have a, a feeling of, it's, it's really a light feeling. You, it's not a, an oppressive, it's very, it's full of light, color, and motion and sound. There are peaceful areas. So it's really designed for the visitor. Um, and that, that I think I'm most proud of the success we had in making sure that happened. And this, it, as you were as you were taking around, you can see how this will be one of the kind of the linchpins of the cultural district. You're just, what, probably two blocks from the Riley Center, right. and, and you've got some other properties that are developing as well. Yeah, we we've, have spoken many times to downtown retailers and business association. I was in Louisiana a few weeks ago talking to a similar city about their situation, which is very similar to ours. Uh, this has been, and we would not have been able to build this if this people of Meridian hadn't voted to uh, pass a 2% prepared food and beverage tax. And those funds not only helped us build this building, but will help us operate and advertise uh, what we have here in this facility and in Meridian. So we're sort of the center cog of what's going to be a tremendous cultural tourism revolution in East Mississippi. Uh, we've got a great inventory of vacant buildings. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of energy being poured into ideas about what to do with those. A lot of visitor services. I'll give you an example. In 89, when I moved to Ocean Springs, when we were building Walter Anderson, you could lay down in the middle of Washington Street and not get hit by a car. I mean, it was just, there was nobody downtown. There was a law, a law office, a realtor's office, a little restaurant, the toy store. And that's pretty much it. You Small know, town, Mississippi. Small town, Mississippi. Yeah. Look at it now. I mean, you can't stir the tourists with a stick on the weekends, especially. Well, Government Street Spring. feels Government like Street New feels Orleans. Like New Orleans, yeah. yeah. So, so, so that's going to happen here. It just takes time. And so, you know, our predictor is that we will see cultural tourism become the new driving energy uh, for new commerce downtown, which means more tax revenue for uh, the city and for the state. And I tell people this all the time. What's beautiful about this, too, for Mississippians is those dollars from the pockets of people from Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, and, and Tennessee are new dollars in our economy. It's not our money. It's not recycled. So the more we can get tourism off the ground in Mississippi, the better for our state. And when we're talking about kind of the physical structure in that of, of the uh, museum, when you first walk in, kind of the, the, the visual kind of thing that overwhelms you is that is the hall of fame kind of spire or what would you call it the, yeah that's your, a, kind of your central yeah it's a the rotunda we call it okay. is a 36 foot high um no it's more than that it's 50 something foot high uh two-story tribute to mississippi's great iconic figures so you're faced with these six foot reproductions of people like bb king and uh and soon to be uh, jimmy buffett and and others that we're going to induct very soon. Uh, but you've got great writers, uh, Dora Welty and Faulkner and Tennessee Williams. 
Uh, all of these people are celebrated in this wonderful, I'll call it a cathedral of glass there and you color. Go. You know, it's just yeah. really, really a magnificent experience. And we have some interactives for people to explore the life and career of each of these artists. And so over the years, we'll induct five new artists each year. And uh, on August 25th, we actually have our ceremony that the public's invited to attend to induct our next five, which include Willie Morris, uh, Jimmy Buffett, I'm going to have to get my list out. because Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride. You said. Because yeah. remember, we wanted to see. Char- if, and I'm going to call you if Charlie Pride winds up coming. Okay. Uh, because we both share a particular fondness for him. Uh, and we're hoping Charlie can make it. Uh, William Eggleston, which as you and I were discussing earlier, a lot of people don't know. But he's a global, yes. iconic phot- kind photography. Kind of the father of modern color photography. Mo- yeah. Modern color photography. Yeah. And... Um, so uh, Alan Wolf is our okay. other inductee that he's so celebrated globally. I was just astounded. I didn't know a lot about Alan Wolf until uh, we started uh, writing the story for the exhibition. And it's just amazing how his uh, career is so much more appreciated in Japan than it is sometimes in the United States. It's just a uh, talk about global influences. A lot of these artists came out of Mississippi had a tremendous global impact. Yeah, Helen Wolf, you think, oh, maybe you don't hear him on the radio much, but you hear him because so many people imitate right. his sound. I mean, he was so distinctive, and so many people now trying to do the blues mm-hmm. are just doing their own version of Helen Wolf. You know, right. That, that iconic, uh, his iconic vocal, you mm-hmm. know, for sure. Well, let's, uh, speaking of music, let's take a music break, and I brought along... Of course, you see all different types of musicians here, all Mississippi musicians at the Max. And one that's included in one of the exhibits is Meridian native Chris Etheridge. He was a bass player, uh, played for Willie Nelson's band for many years, but is best known for his time with the iconic uh, folk country uh, rock group, the Flying Burrito Brothers, uh, uh, that started in the late 1960s in California. So let's hear a track here from the Flying Burrito Brothers with Meridian native Chris Etheridge on bass. We're back on the Arts Hour, and we're in Meridian today at the MAX, the Mississippi Art and Entertainment Experience here in downtown Meridian. That's why you can hear a little bit of difference uh, on the microphones here. And we're here talking with Mark Tullis. He's the executive director here. Now, Mark, you uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit some of your museum experience. You have been kind of a, you've been a lifer in terms of yeah. professionally in the in the museum world. Tell us a little bit about kind of some of your stops along the way. Well, I have begun. It was right after LSU. I had a choice uh, after graduation um, of taking a job as a, I had a fine arts degree and taking a job as a designer in New Orleans or a museum registrar job in Alexandria with a small museum. So I took that because I loved art and I loved museums and I loved uh, working around uh, the visual arts. So I that position just sort of cemented my fate, I guess, because I just fell in love with the work and climbed the ladder into marketing and into fundraising and into curatorial and then uh, into a directorship. My first one was in East Texas in 86. And uh, we uh, started, I, I was fortunate to be in a period of time in America where we were building a lot of museums. So, uh, when I went to Texas, we built a museum of East Texas. And then when I left there, I took a position in Ocean Springs, and we built the Walter Anderson Museum of Art. 
Then after that, I returned to Alexandria where I started, and we built a new museum there. And soon after that, I went to South Florida, two years in Palm Beach with uh, my family and was working for an art center there uh, and found out real quickly you don't move four gentle southern children to another borough of New York. Uh, because Which is... <laughs> that is South Beach. Florida. That's Palm Beach. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we didn't stay there long. Good and, bagels, though, I bet. Oh, yeah. So we had a, a chance to go to Texas to build another museum in Waco, and then the, the crash happened, and uh, uh, the world fell apart in the economy, and we weren't able to do that. And so I had a call from Louisiana again, from the University of Louisiana. A friend there said, we're planning to build a museum at the University of Louisiana. Would you come and help us do that? So we built the Paul and Lulu Hilliard University Art Museum in Lafayette, which is a beautiful, extraordinary museum. And we were there for 10 years. Then I got a call from uh, Jay Darden, uh, lieutenant governor in Louisiana at the time, and uh, they were looking for a director of the Louisiana State Museum System, and so I worked for Jay for three and a half years until he left office. And we were looking for another venue uh, venture um, after that experience, and I got a call from the search firm that was working on this project, and they said this was tailored for you. Um, You're a museum builder. And you've been to Mississippi, you know the people, you know how to make this happen. I have to say, this was the most challenging of all of those projects. It was just a a wonderful experience, but it was complicated. We had a lot of moving parts. Um, We were not only building this facility, but we were building an institution at the same time. Because when I got here, it was just me and Marty Gamblin, our uh, director of Hall of Fame, and a secretary. That was it. And now we've got 27 employees. Wow. And so we've grown in two years to an institution. So building the institution was just as challenging as building the building at the same time and building the exhibits on top of that. You, you've been up there, so you know we built yeah. a city on the second floor, including a church and a juke joint and homes. And uh, it's just an amazing, uh, wonderful uh, complicated place it's fun to be here uh, to see how it all came together people are in awe when they see it they they really are challenged by the the uh, content is just so much Mm -hmm. and about a week ago I had my first opportunity I've been kind of (laughs) busy getting this thing open so I'm hitting the road and going around and meeting a lot of our partners around the state and I had the first chance to go through just the Civil Rights Museum And I am so proud of Mississippi. We have extraordinary quality institutions that I would put up against any in any state, Um, from the Lauren Rogers Museum, Walter Anderson, George Orr, Mississippi Museum of Art, us, and now these two museums in Jackson, and the Grammy Museum and the B.B. King Museum. Who'd have thought? Um, One of our, our patrons here called it an embarrassment of riches. And I think that's really what Mississippi has in both the artists and uh, and both these museums and the culture that we have here in Mississippi. We, we need to share that because I think if we do, more people will not see us as at the bottom of every list or the top of every list of, in a negative way. They'll, they'll really become to value us who we are. I was wondering, you know, you've had this long... Um these different experiences in primarily visual arts museums and some I would imagine like Walter Anderson, very narrow and focused like right. Walter Anderson's about Walter Anderson right. and his family. 
But here, curatorially, I mean, it is the widest breadth possible. You have visual arts, music, literary art. I mean, you have such a wide thing. I mean, I'm sh- I'm, I'm interested in the kind of the, the the challenges as well as like the joys of having such a wide kind of uh, mission in terms of what you present. That's what's really exciting about coming to work here is, uh, and all of our staff share this, is the variety of disciplines that are involved in this museum from literature to music to to uh, uh, poetry, you know, it just the list goes on and on of all the disciplines that are involved. It's such a rich environment for curating exhibitions and for developing programming and developing partnerships. That's the, that's the fun part. Uh, we have approached a lot of our sister institutions around the state and our other cultural organizations and told them, uh, this is a tool for you. And so come partner with us. Let's do some activities together here on this in this beautiful property. And so uh, I think that's one of the things that we're finding. Uh, our ability as an organization to work with university English departments or music departments in, or visual arts departments in, in universities or to work with those like institutions in the commercial field uh, are just innumerable. So that's going to be exciting to see what happens with our programming. Yeah, you can future. connect with so many people. So many people. So many yeah. people. It's everybody, there's a little bit of something for so many right. people. And that's even right. just kind of you walking through here quickly this morning. I was like, oh, there's that guy. There's that guy. There's right. That guy. Yeah, very, <laughs> making all these connections. It's great. It's very affirming, isn't it? I mean, when you walk through and you see all of this, like I said, a well, an embarrassment of riches, it, it's just, it makes you proud to be where you are. Absolutely. You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB, and we're at the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience, the MAX, in Meridian, talking to the executive director, Mark Tullis. Um, I just wanted to go back a little bit, and because, um, you know, everybody's a fan of Walter Anderson and, and, and that work and the family's work, just to hear a little bit, maybe a little reminiscence about your time oh, sure, getting that yeah. museum started, who's remains a big partner to the Arts Commission on the coast. It remains a very special time in uh in my life, my wife's life, my kids, because of the years we spent in Ocean Springs, are almost uh, beautiful and poetic. We loved it so much and uh, enjoyed being there. Uh, the museum itself, when we moved there, was just beginning uh, with the groundbreaking. And uh, I had the great fortune of one of my first meetings on my first day on the job to go sit on the front porch with Sissy Anderson, Walter's wife, and just visit and talk and have her take me across the road to Walter's cottage and unlock the front door and walk in and see everything just the way he left it. Uh, And then later to help uh, pull the boat out from under the house and to catalog his drawings for the museum and uh, to put hands on object like that. Uh, I reflect back on that was just a wonderful experience for me and to work with such incredible people. Ocean Springs is just filled with um, people that care about the arts and uh, and then the family that are just these gentle creative spirits that are, are a delight to work with. So, you know, working with all the children, Johnny, Leif and and uh, all the family uh, just really was one of those experiences that I, I'll always cherish. I remember uh, before we moved the little room from the cottage, which I'm glad we did because, you know, the hurricane took the house out, and so the cottage wouldn't be there anymore, and the little room murals wouldn't be there anymore if we hadn't 
moved it to the museum and placed it in that vault. But I remember with great fondness uh, before we moved it, uh, the family wanted to have uh, a vigil sort of time in the room uh, before we moved it, and I thought that was just so touching. You know, they they uh, they spent the evening there in reminiscence about Walter and and his life and the meaning of this room, and I think that sort of dedication to preserving uh, something like that is really important. Uh, and we ought to do that more often in Mississippi. We ought to take care of what people have left behind for us. Yeah, and if, if folks haven't seen it, the little room is kind of the the totally, it's a small room that was part of his cottage mm-hmm. that he decorated, uh, painted the, the entire, entire interior, room. but no one knew about it until his death. Is that right? right, right. Was How widely known was before the museum opened, did people know outside the family of the existence of it? A few people knew, and the family would give tours of the little room uh, very uh, sparsely. They understood the conservation issues with taking care of the room, and so, but the real competition when I got there to get the little room was uh, a Philadelphia collector uh, had offered to buy it from the family and have it moved to Philadelphia where Walter had studied at the Philadelphia Academy. And um, so uh, we had to move pretty quickly on assembling uh, a conservation team that could move the, the room and then negotiations with the family on, on a long-term loan of the room and things of that nature. So uh, I tell you, that really was a period in my life where I learned a lot about the legal channels of making large loans. So that was, that was really a lot of fun, though. But, you know, I would say thank you so much. Think about, you know, the legacy that that kind of mundane work, you know, I can't think of telling this, the visual story of the visual arts on the Gulf Coast without the Little Room. I mean, right. any advertising you see, I know uh, Visit Mississippi did a did an ad and, and a major part of it was a, a turnaround mm-hmm. in the Little Room, a, a child, mm-hmm. you know, investigating the Little Room. So... That's a great legacy well, that you left you. us. I, I enjoy, you know, working for nonprofits, as you know. Um, is, you're not really doing it for financial reward. Um, you're doing it because of your passion for what you're working toward. And museums are educational institutions first and foremost. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy most about this place is coming out of my office and seeing the galleries filled with children because that's when you know you're changing lives is uh, when they go to that author's studio. And if some young teenage girl is introduced to Eudora Welty through that exhibit up there and she picks up a Eudora Welty book and begins to read, well, she's on a road to an education, you know, uh, in many ways. So uh, that's, that's really the reward for me. Great. Well, let's take another quick music break. Uh, We're going to listen to another track from the Flying Burrito Brothers, which features Chris Etheridge, bass player, and uh, uh, the late Chris Etheridge, a native of Meridian, Mississippi, and featured in the Max. Uh, Here's another track from the Flying Burrito Brothers on the Arts Hour. We're back uh, for our final segment on the Arts Hour, and today we're uh, in the recording studio at the Max, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian. We're talking with Mark Tullis, the director here. you took me on a quick tour kind of of the main galleries when, when I got here. And I think the, uh, the part that we should maybe focus on in the Max's name is experience mm-hmm. because, 
uh, I think that the focus you've been saying, this is not a museum, it's an experience. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk, and we talked a little bit about kind of the immersive elements of this museum, but let's maybe focus in a little bit more on a few of the uh, exhibit spaces. Yeah, uh, that was one of the things that I, I think I'll treasure the most about the experience of the past two years of working with a really talented group of young people, uh, innovative young people in New York and in Washington, D.C., and in New Orleans to help build these really groundbreaking technologies that people will experience. Um, one of the favorites is uh, the kitchen in the home section of the museum that you actually walk into what looks like a reproduction of a 1950s period kitchen. And uh, you walk up to a table that has plates on it. And when you pick up a plate and put it in front of you, a story begins to be told on top on the tabletop, either about a dish from Mississippi or a particular chef. And uh, it's graphically told with pictures and beautiful illustrations. Uh, and that technology, RIFD technology, you can hand that plate across the table to somebody else and say, here, try this. You know, and that just developing that concept. We talked about sharing food and the family style eating. That's how that concept came about. We wanted people to share stories around the table. So when you see that and that mapping that happens on the table, it's actually just poetically beautiful to see all those things happening on the table at one time. And the same thing with a writer's studio. When you stand by the writer's desk and the keys of the typewriter start ticking and while John Grisham's telling you how his process in writing works and letters pop up on the paper and then they vanish and a book turns, uh, pages turn and uh, different things slide in and off the desk as he begins to bring them up. It's really uh, one of those powerful ways to tell a story. You know, you can walk into a lot of museums and spend time looking at an object and then reading a label. Well, we don't leave it that, there's a lot of that, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of reading in the museum and labels, but uh, we really pull you into a story with this technology. And uh, the boat experience is really sort of immersive. You climb into a boat and you go up rivers that transform into, and these big 14-foot screens that surround you, you're going up uh, the Mississippi River near, uh, near uh, uh, Vicksburg, and it all of a sudden transforms into a painting by one of our Mississippi artists. That technology and those ideas uh, we battled and struggled over for two years, and, you know, it was really kind of fun during the grand opening, the gala. I went upstairs and I saw our main lead exhibit team designers, and they were all standing in the middle of the fairway of the city that we've built up to the town, and uh, they were all crying. I mean, it's just, it's that. It was, it, it finally, everything on paper came to fruition, you know, and that's, that's one of the rewards of this whole process is uh, seeing a dream like that come to reality. Well, tell us a little bit about kind of how that, I mean, you don't have to go through all of it, but it's interesting to think about that these are very highly technical, like mm -hmm. really uh, next level technologies that are in the museum. Um, you're primarily a curator and an administrator. Right. How did you, like, for example, you could pick one of them. Like, how did you say, we want to tell this story and then you got to the boat or the, or yeah. the band room or however that happened. Well, it really is it's no one individual that drives anything. Uh, 
we all sat in rooms for hours and hours and discussed what were the meaningful things about the state. Now, a lot of the team members either had never been to Mississippi or they weren't from Mississippi, and a lot of them were from all over the world. We had one of our team members from Israel, one from Morocco, one from Africa, uh, one from France. So they were from all over the world, uh, which was great because they brought all these great new perspectives. That's why I think diversity is so important, and that's the strength of our nation. But we would sit down and talk about something like the kitchen, and we'd say, how are we going to tell, how are we going to share what it's like to eat in Mississippi? What, what are our food ways and our culture? How can we share that? And so all those discussions with uh, the, the geeks in the room and the, the scientists and the, the, you know, all the people that don't have the art side and then the people with the art side contribute and then the historian in the room says this and uh, you begin to have this wonderful dialogue that resolves into solutions like, well, why don't we use RFD chip? How would you do that? Well, you put it in the plate, and then maybe we can program the computer to paint something on the plate. Well, what would you paint? And then the artist jumps in, and then the food waste historian jumps in. And uh, so it's really, when you look at those exhibits, uh, that's a real collaboration. Everything in this museum uh, involved craftspeople to build them, historians to write about them, editors and filmmakers, uh, a myriad of professions were involved in the creation of the museum. So uh, when we published the gala booklet to thank everybody, I think 10 of the pages were all the people that were involved in the exhibits. It's pretty astounding. Yeah, I, I think there are some Arts Commission photos in there. I think we yep. were getting some requests. Right. And, and so I'm eager to go dig in deeper and see if I can find any of our yeah. photos from our thing. But Y'all were very helpful, so yeah. thank you. Well, I mean, we have archives, and it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to see stuff getting out and being put on the wall, you know. And lots of artists who we work with over the years are, are featured here. Right. And so it's, a really, it's really neat to walk in and see this person that I interacted with who maybe is no longer here, but now they're part of this, right. you know, this story here. So it's wonderful. Uh, this is the Arts Hour on the Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and we're at the MAX, the Mississippi Arts and Entertainment Experience in Meridian, talking with Mark Tullis, who's the director here. Another element that we, we've talked a lot, a, a lot about the exhibits, but uh, programming is, is an, a, a big part of what you're doing here as well. So maybe talk about kind of your overall concept for how you handle programming, and then you can talk some more specifics about education and other activities. Yeah, we have a pretty wide array of opportunities right now um, that even during the slowness of the summer, we've, we've tried to regroup a little bit and not do too much programming this summer because we're still trying to get our feet in operations under underway. But the staff didn't listen when I said slow down. They wanted to do a lot of things, which I'm glad they did. So we offer a lot of things for youth. So we have a, a, a twice a week toddler and uh, caretaker program called Mini Maestros, where they do different activities with children. Uh, We have some youth education program partnerships going with Mississippi, uh, the Meridian Art Museum. Uh, We also have yoga every Tuesday and Thursday morning out on the terrace and on the courtyard, and that's been very popular. Uh, It's just, this is, I've always said, you know, Children that are raised in museums are different type of children. And I think people ought to bring their kids to museums uh, frequently so they are familiar with them 
and they know how to use them because they are public gathering places. And so we try very hard. We have concerts here. Uh, we show films out on the uh, on the courtyard lawn. You bring your lawn chair out and enjoy a film. Uh, this building really is an entertainment center too. So, But on top of that, we have formal classroom spaces. We have this studio where we'll be using for uh, recording opportunities for young people who are planning to go into music. Um, we have a two-dimensional studio for ceramics, uh, for painting and drawing, and then a 3D studio for ceramics and sculpture. And uh, it's just an exciting place to come and make. Uh, this is a great, and we have a maker's room upstairs in the gallery. So uh, there's lots of places not only to enjoy art, but and experience the lives and careers of these artists, but also to be inspired to make art. And we give you that place to do that too. Yeah, and I think when you talk about getting people in a museum, uh, I think this one has has a a much easier barrier of entry. Where you know the an art museum telling someone to come see a 19th century you know exhibit of 19th century paintings, you have to kind of. Do a lot of, I'm sure you know, do yeah. a lot of song and dance to kind of say, well, yeah. here you say, come see Oprah, come see Kermit the Frog, you right. know, these recognizable figures that I think would draw a lot of people in. Yeah, that's been the easiest part of this role. And when I first started looking at the position, telling my wife, I said, this is going to be one of the easiest sells of any museum we've ever worked for because it's so fun and it's inviting. And so that's one of the things that. I think people are going to discover when they come to the Max is everything really is um, informative and educational, but it's also a great, fun experience for a family. Uh, and we also have changing exhibit gallery space, which currently we have an exhibition in, but this January 11th, we're hosting an exhibition that we just secured a few months ago. And it opened in New York at the Museum of the Moving Image, and then it went to uh, Seattle, where they had over 300,000 visitors for this one exhibit. And it's in Los Angeles this summer uh, at the Skirball Art Center, which is huge. It's a wonderful museum. And then it's coming to Meridian. Now, who would have thought New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, Meridian? Well, this uh, exhibition is all of Henson, Jim Henson's uh, career encapsulated in original artifacts from the Fraggle Rock puppets to the to the Muppets uh, all of the originals are in this exhibition. So we think we're going to draw a visitation from New Orleans, Memphis, Dallas, Atlanta, people coming here to Mississippi to see this major exhibition in the southeast. But again, that plays into why we're here and why the state of Mississippi and the people of Mississippi built this in Meridian is cultural tourism and education. So well, we may see some tremendous outcome from that that one grand experiment with the Henson exhibition in 19, 2019. So look forward to that. Plan your trip now. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and coming up a little earlier, you mentioned earlier about your Hall of Fame induction. That's coming up in August. Yeah, August 25th, we induct our, our next five inductees, and uh, we're hoping to have some of the living artists here. We had a number at the original induction, including John Grisham and Celia Ward, uh, we're here, and but we're we're going to celebrate these great artists and uh, have it all here in the rotunda. And so, be looking for that day. Uh, we'll be doing some star unveilings out on the sidewalks too for the artists that are present, and uh, we'll have some music and great fun. So mark your calendar for August twenty fifth. 
What are some other things, you know, between now and the end of the year that, you know, either big or small that you, maybe people be interested in hearing about? Yeah, we'll be uh, hosting Cora, uh, Cora, uh, Cat Cora. Cat Cora. Yeah, Cat Cora will be coming here uh, to do a dinner for the museum uh, in October. Uh, we're still negotiating the date, uh, but she will be hosting a, a small uh, benefit dinner for the museum with some patrons. It should be a great experience. We've asked her to prepare the menu. We don't want her back in the kitchen. We want her out with the people at the dinner table. So we'll get to visit with her, and she'll talk a lot about her career and her life uh, and becoming one of the world's best well-known chefs, you know, uh, iron chefs. And um, so that, that's going to be exciting. And then we have a number of activity, partnership activities in Meridian. One of the things that I've encouraged everybody to do here is let's all collaborate and do uh, in unison activities together. So uh, during the opening of the museum, we partnered with Jimmy Rogers Festival, uh, the music festival, and all of our other institutions. And we all held concerts that entire week. That's bringing... If we continue to repeat that, then people are going to begin to mark their calendars for a specific week in Meridian because all of these great things are happening, not just at the Max, but at the Riley Center and at the Museum of Art and at the Soule Museum and at the Jimmy Rogers Museum, which is moving downtown. Right, I forgot I to bring that, that up. Yeah. So they're moving a block away from us. So oh, great. We're really building this cultural tourism engine down here that I think is going to be pretty exciting. Excellent. Well, let's give everybody the 411, your hours, your location, website, all the, the important details. Sure. Uh, go to our website first. I mean, there's a lot of content there and a lot of information. It's msarts dot org, msarts.org. And um, there's a lot of content. You can. There's a lot of things you can do. You can purchase tickets to something like our Wind Down, which we have every quarter. It's a wonderful contest that the young people... Uh, 20-somethings have here at the museum. It's a contest, of tasting wine tasting contest. And you can buy tickets to concerts or events like the Cat Cora event. So go to the website. But if you're driving down 20, uh, look for exit 22, the Seal Award Boulevard, and take that. And it's not a half mile over the bridge downtown. Just if you see the three-foot, which you can see from the interstate, head toward the three-foot. And there's parking all downtown, but there's also parking behind the museum. And uh, our hours are Tuesday through Saturday from 9 until 5, and then Sunday is from 11 to 5. Uh, we're closed on Mondays, but uh, we also have special events sometimes on Mondays that pop up occasionally, too. Well, Mark, thanks so much for having us. Thank you, Larry. And uh, good luck with all the events coming up. I appreciate it. Uh, if you've been listening to the Arts Hour today and you'd like to listen back or share the show with a friend, you can go to the MPB website, mpbonline.org. They post all our past shows as uh, streaming files, or you can download it from iTunes as a podcast. Until next time, we'll be seeing you around.